ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome back to another episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. With me today is Igor Milgram, founder of the SF Bad Jews community. That's a very similar sounding brand right there. Igor, welcome to the show. How are you today? Doing good. How are you doing, Chaz? I'm doing great. I really can't wait to learn about what you're doing over there in the Bay Area. And I really can't wait to learn more about you. So in order to get started, we're going to start the four minute Bad Jew challenge, the right of entry onto this podcast where you tell your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? I am. Excellent. So my name is Igor Milgram. I'm the creator of SF Bad Jews, as Chaz said. So my background is in the cannabis industry. I was been in there since my early 20s. I used to own a cannabis-infused beef jerky company called Stone Age Edibles. And here's my story. So my family and I came from the, the Soviet Union in 1993. And because we came from the Soviet Union, we didn't know a lot about Judaism. Because of Russification, my, my great-grandfather refused to teach his children or his grandchildren about Judaism when he did his prayers in a back room, hiding in case the KGB saw it. And so because of this Russification, Yiddish wasn't taught to us, all these things weren't taught to us. So I was the first person in three or four generations of my family that had a bar mitzvah. In the Soviet Union, rate. The Jewish was Judaism was seen as a race, not really a religion. On my birth certificate, it said race. So when I grew up in San Francisco, it was a very different experience than what my family had. So I was the first person to go to, like, to get a bar mitzvah, to go to a Jewish day camp. Um, eventually moved to Walnut Creek as a child after, after moving out of SF. And in Walnut Creek, I started experiencing my first taste of anti-Semitism. I, in the third grade, I punched a kid in the face and almost broke his nose because he called me a dirty Jew. And it, that was, that kind of set the stage for a lot of things in my life, for feeling, for carrying this flag of Judaism with me throughout the rest of my, like, my future. The, and growing up in Warner Creek, the Reformed Jews were always too American. The Orthodox Jews were always too, like, conservative. And I was always in this middle ground. So... When I went to Jew camp, it was at an Orthodox Chabad-run Jew camp because they were the only ones that would give my family a scholarship to let me go because my family was grown, I grew up poor. And when I went there, that was my, like, one of my big experiences of first feeling a bad Jew. Everyone there knew all the songs, knew everything. People spoke Hebrew. They'd been to Israel a million times. Well, I didn't know any of it, didn't speak Hebrew, didn't follow any of the rules, and was there on scholarship. So I always felt like a bad Jew there. Eventually, I went to, in high school and middle school. The racism ramped up. I was dealing with racial slurs, dealing with swastikas being drawn on my belongings, with people doing Nazi salutes to me. And that really affected me. I almost started doing, participating in it just to survive it. So when I became an adult and started working in the medical, in the medical cannabis industry while working at NASA, I really, it, my life really changed. And I started having all these crazy experiences. And back then it was the wild, wild west. I knew people that had gotten shot. I knew people that were, that had went to jail for murder, for all these crazy things. I knew someone who was thrown off a building for like a deal gone wrong. And I had all these stories. And so when I was in the Jewish community, no one really like understood me and no one really understood my background. The first time I really felt like a good Jew and like I was a part of everything was when I joined A. Pie in college. And this was the first time that I felt at home and had it felt like I had a Jewish home. It was the first time that I felt that 
people understood me. They understood who I was and they accepted me. And that feeling of home, that feeling of community is one that has stayed with me. And after I left AEPI, because I graduated, I have been trying to find that again. And I've been going to different denominations of events. I've been going to young, different young adult events in the Jewish community. And every time I always felt like the same thing, I felt like a bad Jew. And so one day I decided to be the change I wanted to see. I was tired of looking. I was tired of trying to find it. And I decided to make it. And I decided to do this because every time I met someone that was a Jewish person like me, they always did the same thing. I don't want to go to these events because I feel like a bad Jew. And this really inspired it. And this feeling of community of, for people that allowed them to be their most authentic selves is what I am really striving to create. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Dude, you, first of all, you killed the bad Jew challenge. Thank you, man. That was awesome. Thank you. And second of all, I, I feel like I can relate in a lot of different ways where it's funny how anti-Semitism in America has a different tone than what it is in other countries. And like we dealt with the programs and now we're here in America and we're not going to put up with that anymore. And so in a weird way, that kind of like that anti-Semitism definitely pushes us closer to our identity on a cultural level and it makes you embrace it. But then you also counter that with the, the struggle of like finding an organization where you really fit in. Yeah. I have that way many times before, and that's what this episode is going to be about. I personally haven't talked about what it means to be a bad Jew since episode one of when I started this podcast. It was a great prelude into the topic of the show and like why I cared so much about the education behind the religion and the, and the, and the culture behind it, which is the motivation of the show. And then coming across the brand of SF Bad Jews has kind of reinvigorated that purpose to want to discuss that, which is what we're going to be discussing today is like, what is a bad Jew part two, you know? And so I would love to, you know, pick your brain about that, but tell me more about this organization that you created. You described the motivations behind it. What does SF Bad Jews do exactly? So SF Bad Jews has three different main goals. The main goals of SF Bad Jews is one, to create events for Jewish people that are event-based, that are fun, that are accepting, and welcoming the people that have felt like bad Jews their whole lives. And to do that, we want to lower the barrier to entry for these events. We want them to be activity-based. We want them to be fun. We want them to be about the people instead of just the Judaism. Now, we're also going to do Jewins. We're going to do Shabbat. We're going to do the holidays. But a lot of our events, I want them to be about common interests, common hobbies, and common things that, could, that really tie a community together outside of just our backgrounds. Two, I want to break the stereotypes of what society expects a Jew to be. We all were grazed on this image that society has of us. And that image is just not the reality. That image is an oversimplified version made by anti-Semites and racists over time. And I'm done hearing, like, when I go and, and talk to people, they're like, oh, well, you're Jewish? You don't, like, what do you mean? You're not this, this, or the other. And three is to break the mold of what Jewish society expects of Jewish, of, it, of Jewish events, of Jewish spaces, and what Jewish society expects of Jews in itself. I don't want to be a nice Jewish boy. I want to be a bad Jew. I want to be myself. And I'm tired of feeling a pressure to conform to what others believe I should be. I love that. I love that. And I think something that is really going to be a big theme in this show is the concept of a brand right? 
we're talking about first the brands of, you know, my podcast and your organization up in the Bay Area, but we're also talking about the brand of the overall Jewish people, right? And that's really what I've been trying to do with the show is like, we even had an episode, what do Jews look like, right? This was, a, this was an episode where we demystified that all Jews are white and that we all come from Europe. And we talked about how there's this concept where we all look like the Jews from Fiddler on the Roof, where that's just first thing that people think of when in reality, we're of multiple colors, we're of multiple backgrounds, we're of multiple professions out there. We're really talking about rebranding what it means to be a Jew into a more comprehensive, holistic view that really acknowledges every demographic within the Jewish community. That's really what I'm shooting for here. And I think that's what you are too. And that's it's about demystifying what uh, anti-Semites and racists have really labeled us as and remembered us as. Yeah. And that is the thing that, one of the, you know, I, I work in the world of content marketing in general. And we work with brands all the time. There was, a, there was a mentor of mine who taught me what a brand is when it comes to my profession. And I, I remember he asked me, what is a brand? And I said to him, well, it's has to do the language and the logo and the color schemes. And he says, no. That's what everyone says. This is what a brand is. A brand is the memory that a person has of the business. So now if we translate that over to Jewish identity, we gotta make, we gotta, we gotta make the new impression of Judaism a different memory that people are left with. We're not just nice Jewish boys. We're also mean Jewish men, you know? But, Let's, let's change that perspective sometimes. Yeah. You know? We're not here to mess around anymore. Yeah. I really agree with what your mentor had to say. And when, everyone, and when anyone always asked, my, asked me that question, I had a similar but not exactly the same story. My, or answer, my answer was always, a brand is a story. Mm. A brand is a story that you tell through imagery, through labels, through logos, through artwork, through whatever you create. A story that goes beyond time and goes beyond like people. It is a story that inspires feelings inside of you and makes you go forward with that. And so I hope I can take this moment to tell what the story that I was raised with of what Judaism is and for my, for my life. So my mom always told me the story growing up of an actress in the Soviet Union who wasn't able to have children. So she was, so she, so she decided to adopt a child, but she wanted a Jewish child. So what she did is she called, started calling all these orphanages and orphanage after orphanage called her back and said, there are no Jewish orphans. And she goes, what do you mean there are no Jewish orphans? She goes, there are no Jewish orphans. Every time a child, a Jewish child becomes orphaned, he gets taken in by his community. And I think that that was always my vision of what Judaism was. It is a family that spans race, that spans belief, that spans politics, that goes beyond what all of these different, all our differences are and unites us as a people and has united us throughout history. Whether you are Middle Eastern Jew, whether you are an Ethiopian Jew, Israeli, North African, Ashkenazi, Asian, Caucasian Jew, from the Caucasus Mountains, the Mountain Jews, which is my favorite kind of Jew. They are, we are all one people and it's our differences and our diversity that makes us strong and is gonna make us strong into the future. And 100%. it's what makes both our brands 
so powerful in our own spaces. I couldn't agree more. Now, one thing that I'm very curious about is we, we've talked, we've acknowledged a, a, lot of, a lot of how the, outward, the outside world looks at the Jewish perspective, right? That's the brand ultimately because, you know, there's only 15 million Jews on earth. I think that's what it is, if I remember correctly. So it's less than 1% of the uh, overall population on earth, which means that we have to somehow be a light under nations and leave that impression with literally billions of people, right? That's a really hard task to do. Hashem chose us to have one of the hardest tasks on earth, right? But if we look inward towards ourselves, there is another aspect of branding as well, where it's the memory that we leave and the impression that we leave with people within our community. And my thought is, is that, Right now, for those that are aware of the inner culture in the Jewish world, we have the difficulty of removing these, li these lines drawn in the sand as to what it means to be a Jew. And these lines that are drawn in the sand, I identify as reconstructionist and reform and conservative and orthodox and Hasid and, and, and Chabad. And, you know, like, there's these different movements that we've all subscribed to in some way. But in my opinion, it really should just be Jewish because these movements that we see are all reactionary. They're disingenuine. And I'm not trying to knock off any of the legitimacy behind these different movements. They all have huge pros, huge benefits that have, have been contributions to the Jewish world. I'm, I don't want to invalidate that by any sense. But no less, when we have those lines drawn in the sand, you end up treating people like a bad Jew. Because if you see something that you don't recognize, you're going to look at it as foreign. You're going to see that as alien and you're going to begin to resent it because it's different than the way that you experienced Judaism. In your experience, especially from how you've now, this is more recent for you, so this is more raw, so I think this is more genuine for you. Now that you've created the, organi the organization SF Bad Jews, how exactly in your, in your mind do you think that you can get rid of those lines drawn in the sand and get rid of the idea of treating each other like a bad Jew? Well, it's a hard question to answer. I think that the number one way to, to get rid of these lines is to accept them for what they are, a way to easily describe something and then move past them. Yeah. There is a phrase called radical acceptance. And in, in this phrase, you accept things for as they are, but you do not necessarily succumb to them and believe that's what they should be. Chabad, reform, reconstructions, all these things, they're, they're, they are what they are. But if we look beyond these lines that we've drawn and look for the humanity in the people, look for the common interests in the people, look for the common things that bind us. And instead of looking at someone as a reformed Jew, a Hasidic Jew, a Reconstructionist Jew, we looked at them as a person who is Jewish and see them for who they are, then we can really be one people and we can move forward if we start learning about each other and start being curious about our stories, about our past, about our hurt, about what we are dreams our, and, our, and our nightmares that we can become one people and unite into the future. Because if history has taught us anything, Jews 
need to be our need to be each other's family no matter what their background is 100% the entire reason why the second temple was destroyed is because the Jews were divided how can we possibly expect be expected to uphold the Jewish nation as it is if we're not a united people i 100% agree with that i 100% agree i also think that there are these like weird societal pressures for all of us to like look a certain way if you subscribe to a certain belief and if you do label yourself as that, you're limiting yourself to a certain number of beliefs that you can learn, in my opinion. I had this one almost like weird, like out-of-body experience where the dinner before Yom Kippur, you know, where you're trying to like stuff yourself so you don't, so you're not as hungry the next day for the 25 hours of fasting. Yeah. I remember I was at my friend's place eating cholin and this single mom came in with her son and we're sitting there and we're talking. I'm drinking coconut water because the electrolytes are really good to make sure I'm sustained for the 25 hours. That's a good that's idea. Coconut. I've just been chugging water. That, I've been chugging water. That's, not, that, you, that's that my pro tip. Yeah. That's my pro tip. Before Yom Kippur, before the 25-hour fast, coconut water. Tastes terrible. I hate coconut water. Yeah, I hate that stuff. But that's a good idea. Down. Yeah. So what, what happened was the single mom walks in. And I'm sitting there eating my cholin, talking, having a good time. And eventually I catch her staring at me. She's looking at me with like, like this hyper-focused BDI look. And then she interrupted, I, I ignored it at first. And then she, she stopped me in the middle of a sentence. And she says, what are you? And I'm like, I mean, hungry? Last I checked, a, a human? I don't know. What do you want to know? <laughs> I was so confused. I ended up telling my entire backstory about like a little bit of my Jewish journey. And she goes, no, but like, are you Ashkenazi? Are you Persian? Are you? <laughs> and I realized she just wanted to know my ethnicity. And that's, that's, that's totally fine. But that's still me. Like she was totally basing a judgment off of a superficial premise of just my skin tone, I suppose. I know I have a darker skin tone than most other Ashkenazis out there. But still, it's like there are these societal pressures that, again, are so heavily inflicted sometimes they are so ingrained. And it. So for some reason impacts the way that you treat people. And that's not how it should be. I can very much relate. Um, I was running a meat factory for a while as the facility and operations manager. And I live in the Bay Area and tech is very big here, as everyone knows. And the looks on people's faces when they, when they ask me what I do and I say I run a meat factory was... Honestly, I wish I, sh I wish I was taking more pictures because people just didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say to me working a non-white collar job. I mean, even though it was basically like a halfway white collar, blue collar job, they never knew what to say. They were like, that exists? You are what? They were always confused. And one of the big things that really has been in some ways heartbreaking and in some ways inspiring is ever since I've made... SF Bad Jews, I've been getting people's stories. I've been getting emails from, I, I, I spoke to one person. He went to jail for 13 years for robbing banks. And in prison, he got a huge Jewish tattoo across his chest. Which, I mean, I, mean, I was like, you're either crazy or, or brave. But like, he was like, he found his Judaism in prison. And he said that every time he's gone to a Jewish event after he got out, people like, make him feel bad. People looked at him like he's crazy. They avoid him. Another person was a adult actress and she had recently found her Judaism and she said the same thing, that people talked to her 
like and treated her weird. And she was recently trying to learn about Torah and learn about what was happening, learn how that connection and it's causing her pain. Another person spoke to me about how they were raised as a super religious person and they found that that wasn't what they wanted to be. They still wanted to be Jewish, but they didn't want to be Hasidic or Orthodox. They wanted to be a little more like conservative or whatever you want to call it. And these stories just keep coming in and coming in and coming in. And I'm like, these are the people that I want. These are the people that I need to go after. Like I went on a date recently and she's, and there was a girl that she was a, she was Jewish. I didn't realize. And she said she was raised on a dairy farm and she doesn't tell anybody that any Jews that because they always look at her like she's some redneck, but she's a nurse. Like there are all these stories of our community where we do not treat people the way they should be and do not look, instead of looking at it with curiosity and wanting to hear about these people's stories, they just look at you like you're from Mars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I, ha I have a friend who was, was raised in a very similar a very, a very similar circumstance to me. And I think that once you hear the story, it, it'll prove to the audience that every time you treat, even if you're not directly selling someone that you're a bad Jew, that if, if, if you even treat someone like a bad Jew, this, this story will prove that you're gambling their future. You're gambling their future because they're either going to go one of two ways. They're either going to veer totally off and out of it and pretend like they're not of our people or they're going to go all into it. And it's not worth the risk. It's not worth it. It's not worth the risk. Here's, here's, here's my story. I have, a, I have a friend who I grew up with. We went to the same synagogue growing up. He was also bar mitzvahed. He went and did his own thing. He went on and created a skateboard company at one point. And oh. eventually he stopped doing it because it took the fun out of skateboarding for him. So he, As it goes. You, know, a, you know, absolutely fair, fair yeah. statement to make. So he, he continued to do that. He doesn't do anything anymore when it comes to his Jewish journey, because he's always been treated like a misfit. When he first attended the Hillel at my school, the Hillel didn't accept him. I, it's not like they ever said to him, hey, we don't like you, get out of here. Yeah. But there was a kind of like cast aside treatment, a kind of side-eyed treatment that they gave him, right? And so because of that, he's, I don't know where he is anymore, actually. I, I geographically could not tell you where he is on earth, but he's living an adventure that's wonderful. But at the same time, his people need him more than ever. He's just there, out there somewhere, yeah. doing, you know, God knows what. God love him. You know, he's a great guy, okay? I have another friend, and I've talked about her before on the podcast. And this girl at Asia Torah Community, she ha was given one of those little prayer books after, Shabbat, after the Shabbat meal to do benching. And she opened it. And she didn't exactly know what to do with the prayer book. And she didn't my entirely know the Hebrew. And she told me that some girl made her feel bad for not knowing the prayers. Just like the similar experience to what you had in the Chabad camp, Igor. Yeah. And because she didn't know, it, it ended up motivating her to go to seminary. And now she is Baal Teshuvah, right? So... You know, it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing, right? But you are gambling. And so as opposed to giving someone the free will capability to really learn and embrace their Judaism, the way that you have set this up with SF Bad Jews here, that's really what I'm hearing from your organization is that there's a lot of free will to learn and to gain and to grow. That right there is going to have 
uh, a tremendous amount of of relevance and importance to these people's lives. So kudos to you, Igor. You're doing great work. Thank you. And I mean, the same to you. I'm Storytelling and oral history are the oldest professions, some of the oldest tasks that humans have ever taken taken on themselves. And I think that you putting in all this effort into creating a platform to tell stories, to tell our history, to share these people that most people won't have ever gotten the chance to talk to is is an incredible and honorable like mission. And so I thank you for all the effort you put into your mission as well. Like that as a storyteller, as a chronicler of our history, there is fewer things that are more honorable. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Igor, before we wrap up this podcast, I want to give you the chance to talk about some of the events you have coming up and what people can expect with SF Bad Jews moving forward. So I want to, well, we, ha we have a few different events coming up. I'm, we were supposed to have a, a mural tour of the San Francisco mural scene this past weekend, but it was raining, so it got moved back. We have, I'm doing our, my first SF Bad Juice Degenerate Shabbat on Friday. We're going to be doing, I'm currently planning a salsa dancing class. I'm current, and as well as I'm planning a shooting event to teach people how to shoot and to, so that they can learn about guns and firearms and do learn to do it safely and responsibly. As well as I'm currently organizing a reverse boycott in San Francisco of the businesses that got targeted by the hate flyers. So I'm organizing the San Francisco community to come out in support of all these Jewish owned restaurants and one Palestinian Christian owned restaurant because they were targeted as Jews. And I believe that if you target somebody as a Jew, I'm going to defend you as a Jew. So we're organizing this to get people out in support of all these restaurants. Yeah. And those are, those are all going to, that's all going to be happening in the rest of January and February. And I'm going to be putting in work, teaming up with other organizations to see what other kind of fun events that people want. And yeah, I hope to get, I hope everyone tells me what they like so I can try to make it happen. Igor, you're doing incredible work and you should be really proud of uh, what you've been able to accomplish so far uh, with the live events. I know there'll be an opportunity for me to come over there and partake in some of those events as well as Thank work you. with you uh, in the future for some programs that we can do with our brands here. It's pretty awesome. I hope we can one day do a bad juice summer camp. That's my, that's my dream. That's the goal. That's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's, this is for, for the context for the listeners. We talked about this. We've had a few meetings now, but there's going to be opportunities for SF bad Jews and the bad Jew podcast community that's around the show to put together these events. And one of these ideas that we've had is like in a bad Jews camp. All denominations, all backgrounds are welcome. We want to have a free will factor that is involved where people can freely choose what kind of activities they want to partake in throughout the day to really be able to explore their Judaism, create this safe space, and um, really, you know, walk the walk and not just talk the talk. So, you know, Igor, again, thank you for being on the show. Thank, thank you for having me. I very appreciate your time today. And it's been fantastic talking to you. And I hope we get to do this again. I'm sure we have plenty more to talk about. Oh, so much more. So yeah. much more. Igor, be well. The SF Bad Jew. Keep, keep killing it up there. I'll, I'm going to come and visit you guys sometime soon. Please, thank you. Absolutely. Podcast, keep telling the stories and keep fighting the good fight. Absolutely. All right. To the listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Shalom.